You're listening to the Historian's Podcast. I'm Bob Cudmore. We welcome Spike Herzig to the program. How you doing, Spike? Good morning, and I'm doing well. Thank you. Spike Herzig, otherwise known as Lynn Herzig, is author of a, of a memoir about his uh, youth called Where'd You Go? Out. What'd You Do? Nothing. Unique Memories of Growing Up in Beaver Falls, New York during the 1950s. I didn't ask you, is, is this uh, self-published? I know apparently you and your brother run a printing and publishing company. I imagine you did this book. We did, yes. We uh, we sub- subsequently sold the printing company. It was in Watkins Glen. We had uh, a printing company and six weekly newspapers that we put out. But uh, yes, uh, it was really fun because it. Uh, my brother sent me the bill and then I was just able to... Uh, uh, not get around to pay it, so it's really nice. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about what Beaver Falls was during the 1950s. I mean, this is located in upstate New York, and uh, just uh, where is it? Yeah, it's in Lewis County. Uh, probably most people would be familiar uh, by knowing it's uh, on the Tug Hill Plateau. Uh, we get nine months of winter, three months of poor skiing up there. I, I thought growing up that everybody played baseball in the spring in the snow and played football in the fall in the snow. Uh, and, of course, basketball was always in the snow. So Beaver Falls was a town of 700 people, had three uh, paper mills uh, located there, uh, J.P. Lewis uh, paper, latex fiber, and Beaverite products. And they all uh, all did different things. Uh, the paper was, was produced in uh, the J.P. Lewis, it was forwarded to the latex, which rubberized the format. And uh, the Beaverite uh, did um, uh, made gaskets for automobiles, Fords, Lincolns, uh, Dodges, and, and those sorts of things. So it was a self-contained unit. We had three grocery stores and uh, no bars. Uh, we no had bars. Two, no mm-hmm. bars. No, we had two uh, two churches, uh, two Protestant churches, and everybody, if they were cared to imbibe in uh, in alcohol, had to go two miles to the village of Krogan, which was twelve hundred people, and that had five bars. Ah, uh, and I, I don't want to get stuck on industrial history, but what did they they rubberize the paper? What were they doing that for? What happened to the paper? Yeah, they they rubberized it so that it, it would last longer if it was placed under heat, such as you would get from gaskets uh, being uh, used in, a, in an, uh, an automobile motor. Uh, it's under a lot of heat and pressure, and that had to be rubberized uh, uh, to protect it so that it wouldn't just uh, burn up or, or just deteriorate uh, too quickly. Now, I gather when you were growing up uh, during the 1950s, you, you were born in the early 40s, would you say? Yeah, I was born in 1941. All right. Um, that, it, I mean, you, you describe, I mean, looking back on it, with, with a couple of exceptions, and I will hope to ask you about the exceptions, you know, kind of an idyllic childhood, uh, a small town. Uh, I mean, it's too bad Norman Rockwell didn't drop in from uh, Vermont and Western Massachusetts and do some paintings up there. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really fine, funny. Uh, hindsight, I guess, is always twenty twenty. But uh, you know, as as I said in my book, it's as I remember it, whether it's correct or not. I, I'm sure that it wasn't as idyllic as as it appears. But uh, it was a wonderful place to grow up. 
uh, in the summer you just went out and mother told you to be home uh, in time for supper and we had the river which runs right through the middle of the village and so we spent most of our time fishing or boating or swimming uh, and it was it was just a great way to grow up mm. and that's the beaver river right that's correct yeah that runs into the black and the black runs into lake ontario and as a kid, you engaged in, I think what you'd say were escapades. Tell us a, a little bit, if you would, about the time you started riding sort of ice flows in the river. <laughs> yeah, you know, probably of all the things that I can remember doing, that was one of the dumbest. Uh, th- there is what we called affectionately slough holes or, or areas of, of backwater and uh, the, my two best buddies, the three of us, uh, uh, Billy and Butch and I, uh, traveled everywhere together and did everything together. And we were out uh, uh, one evening just walking around, and uh, some one of us, I can't recall which, said, you know, wouldn't it be fun just to walk out on that ice because we know the water's not too deep? And why we did that, I don't know, but we did. We got out in the middle of that, and uh, the ice just cracked, and we went right through to the uh, through the bottom. And uh, the, the real concern that we had was that once the once the ice broke, that began to began to uh, float away towards the main part of the river. So it would have been really dangerous if uh, if we had not pulled ourselves out and, and gotten onto uh, to uh, solid ground. But that that was really a dumb thing to do. Yeah, you all had to get on one ice floe and paddle out or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yes, Jeez. that's what happened. Uh, and and the, the, I, you know, my mother was was we. I lived closest to where the river was, so we went to to our house, and I was going to ask mother or dad to give uh, uh, Bill and Butch a ride home because we were soaking wet. It was cold and. Uh, the, the 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 worst thing of all of that after my mother got very upset and my father came about to see what was going on uh looked at us and uh i had lost a sneaker uh in in the whole situation <laughs> yeah. and it was stuck in the mud i would never have found it never did find it and and he was very upset that he was going to have to buy me a new pair of shoes and uh i said wow you know i could have just been swept down the river and over the dam and and his answer to me at that point was, well, I wouldn't have had to buy any new sneakers anyway. So <laughs> he was a little uh, tough love there. Yeah, a um, little bit. <laughs> also, you you uh, talk about your family. I mean, you're you didn't always live in Beaver Falls, right? Didn't you move there, or did I get that wrong? No, we were. Uh, uh, I was born over at the hospital in Lowville, which was uh, nine miles away, and then we lived there at the beginning of my life. And my father um, was drafted, and when he got down to the draftee station in Syracuse, the, they realized that he was a professional tool and die maker, and they really needed tool and die makers to put airplanes together. And uh, so he was asked <laughs> if he wanted mm-hmm. to go in the Army or if he would prefer to go to uh, Independence, Missouri, and worked for Pratt & Whitney building a P-38 airplane engines. And uh, he decided he'd rather go uh, and build airplane engines. So he went there, and eventually, at, um, uh, a two, or th- two or three years later, we moved to uh, Independence to, uh, to visit him. But then after the war, you moved back? Moved back to Beaver Falls. My father went to work uh, 
at where he had been working before, which was Beaverite Products, and worked there for 60 years. Really? Isn't that something? That must, because it seemed to me that going to a bigger place like that probably was, might have been a you know step up or something like that. But they, your family, and I presume it was your parents, did this, uh, chose to go back home. Yeah, my 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 uh, my dad was a uh, the baby of a family of nine children. My mother was uh, a, a family of six, and they all lived in Lewis County. Uh, the furthest away, I think, was about twenty miles, and uh, it was just moving back home. I don't think they ever had a thought of going anywhere else. Hmm. And the family grew. You're the oldest, and you have a younger brother and a, a younger sister. Correct. Yep. My brother came along uh, seven years later and, and uh, my sister nine years later. And, and so you were, I, a, a, sounds like you were a popular kid uh, and you were the president of your high school class, correct? That, that's right. Yes. Yep. For a number of years that I was the instigator uh, and then the one that looked very serene with the halo over his head when anyone asked any questions. I see. You got to, you sort of, were you kind of like the Eddie Haskell of this Leave It to Beaver scenario? Or? I guess you could say that, uh, Bob. Yes. All right. And I, I've noticed your, your nickname. That's uh, pretty, pretty good or pretty dramatic. I, you know, uh, like my nickname's Cuddy, which comes right from my name. Uh, it was like the family nickname. But why did they call you Spike? My mother hated nicknames. My mother just hated anyone call, naming their daughter Susan and then calling him Susie or a son Robert and then calling him Bob. It just was something that was against her grain. One of the reasons that she named me Lynn was because it's a one-syllable word, can't be uh, shortened in any way, and uh, she just thought that was great, and it was. Uh, nobody else did. And then later on when I, I really just picked up the the nickname from other kids I don't honestly remember for sure why that came up, but everybody else had a nickname and I didn't. And so somebody started calling me Spike, and I thought that sounded pretty good, so uh, I stuck with it. But if anybody came to the house and asked for Spike, she would very quickly close the door in their face. <laughs> or if they called on the phone looking for Spike, she just would hang up. Uh, she was very, uh, very sincere in her <laughs> uh, not liking nicknames at all. Well, um, maybe I'm comparing your experiences growing up in Beaver Falls. And refresh my memory again. How many were living in that community when you were young? Yes, 700. 700. I mean, I grew up in a in a city with the time had uh, Amsterdam, New York, had over 30,000 people when I was a kid. And the population's now shrunk to 17,000. Unlike Beaver Falls, we had bars. In fact, bars were the main, one of the main things we had in addition to uh, carpet mills and knitting mills and, and things like that. Um, but, but I can re relate to, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the things you uh, bring up. Uh, but I, I guess... What seems so interesting to me is that this is a town of the one of. Like you, you apparently had one doctor in the town, right? Uh, that is correct. Yeah, we we did. Uh, we also two miles away there was one doctor in Krogan as well. Uh, there was one hospital which was uh, ten miles away. Uh, you know, so you really there there were more than one registered nurses uh, in. 
uh, in Beaver Falls, and they really kind of seconded and assisted Dr. Dalton when uh, when he needed help. But uh, that's yeah. all there was. Dr. Dalton was the one doctor, right? He was the one doctor, and his son, which is my age, and I grew up together. Yes, he f figures in a lot of your escapades, right? <laughs> yes, indeed he does. Right. Now, also... I don't know, did you have just one store, and you ended up working for the people that ran the store? Yeah, it was very interesting on that, uh, Bob, because we had really had three grocery stores. We had an IGA, and then we had a general uh, store, and, and a red and white, all, all in that uh, tiny little community. Uh, but yes, I had a chance. Well, I didn't have a chance. I made myself a chance to, uh, to work down at Hiltz's IGA store. And um, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Hiltz were uh, were good friends of my uh, parents, and so I knew them. And and during the summer, I was I was really into baseball, and so I would go down to the store and buy a nickel ice cream cone, and come sit outside on the steps and read the uh, the, the New York Post and the New York Daily News to get the sports and the baseball scores from it. And uh, so I decided that, gosh, what a great thing. If I could work at a store, maybe I could get a chance to read the comics as well as the newspapers. And so I went to uh, to Mr. Hiltz and, and asked him if I, uh, that he couldn't hire me because I would really be a good guy to, to hire. And uh, through a, a lot of uh, pushing and shoving, and finally I got him to agree that he, he needed to uh, to hire me. And so uh, I, I went to work there sweeping the floors and putting the, the – comic books out on the stand and the magazines and whatnot, wash windows for his wife because they lived in the store itself. And uh, it was a, a great way, and uh, I could get uh, a nickel ice cream cone and some sometimes a dime ice cream cone, two scoops, uh, <laughs> for, for, for nothing. So it was just a great deal. More stories are coming up from Lynn Spike Herzig, author of Where'd You Go Out? What did you do? Nothing. Unique memories of growing up in Beaver Falls, New York, during the 1950s when the population was about 700. This is the Historian's Podcast, and we'll be uh, back with our guest in just a moment. Our 2017 GoFundMe campaign is underway to support the Historian's Podcast in a financial way, to help us cover our production expenses, technical costs, and the uh, like. Uh, you can donate at the at the following gofundme.com forward slash historians 2017 and i we do find that a number of you are not uh, that uh, keen on donating online so if you don't want to donate online you can donate to me uh, write a check made out to bob cudmore and send it to 125 horstman drive scotia new york 12302 that's 125 Horstman Drive, Scotia, New York, 12302. Thank you very much. Lynn Spike Herzig is our guest, author of a book about growing up in Beavers, Beaver Falls, New York. No S at the end of it, Bob. Beaver Falls, New York, during the 1950s. Back to the grocery stores. I mean, I ask sort of sometimes the most detailed questions. You actually said they had three grocery stores. Uh, and the one that you uh, worked at was an uh, was an IGA, or do I have that right? And yeah, what does that mean? Isn't that International Grocers Association or something? 
Yeah, that that's exactly what it was. It was uh, the the IGA was short for the International Grocers Association, and they were no, there were a number of those in the early forties and, and and into the fifties too, around the country, and there were um, probably a half a dozen in Lewis County, and they went together to buy product uh, to to be able to buy products at, at a lesser rate because right. of the volume. Yeah, and what and what was a red and white or red white? I I never and I never come came across that. Yeah, the the red and white stores. There were a number of those uh, uh, in in the North Country, and I can't honestly tell you, Bob, uh, how prevalent they were throughout the rest of the country. But it was a very similar to the IGA store, except they had their own brand uh, of red and white, and their their cans. They had soup and other things, but they're. Uh, it always said red and white, and half of the can label was red, and the other part of the label was white. Right. Uh, I, and that uh, that was the only thing that uh, differentiated. It was probably the same can of soup, but they had their own uh, their own label on it. Now, I almost hate to ask, um, what's Beaver Falls like today? Or do you know? Do you ever go back up there? I go back frequently. My brother uh, is living there, as is my sister. My sister... Uh, lives in in our home that uh, that she uh, moved into after mom and dad uh, died and so yes i get back fairly frequently don't go up very often in the winter but uh doing the doing the spring and summer and uh uh so it's a town of about 700 people uh oh, interestingly it's... enough it, it hasn't grown and it really hasn't uh, lost many folks we don't have a doctor anymore uh, so if anybody gets sick, they have to go to Lowville, which is, I said, 10 miles away. How about a store? Do they have any stores anymore? <laughs> we have no stores, Bob. Yeah. No stores, and all three uh, or two of the three plants are closed down. So, okay, so one plant is, oh, which one? Because as, uh, as you described, or the, what I took away from that was that it was there were paper mills, but one made made the paper, and then another processed the paper, and the third did something with the processed paper. So, what which mill is left? Do you know? Yeah, the J.P. Lewis Company is still still there, uh, and still does produce uh, paper, uh, but nowhere's near uh, in the volume that it used to. Um, you know, eventually we just ran out of trees that were close. And then the cost of doing business uh, 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 was much more expensive than importing it from Canada or or other parts of the world. So that's really what happened to uh, to, to the other two companies. Uh, United States Rubber bought out the latex fiber, and uh, they moved it out. And I'm, I can't honestly tell you where they moved to, but they they moved it away from uh, upstate. Why did you move away? Uh, that, that's a that's a really good question. I uh, I didn't really know what to do with my life. I knew there were only two one thing that I really wanted to do, and that was to be a professional baseball player. <laughs> and uh, I got uh, I played throughout high school, played summer baseball, et cetera. Got a chance to go t- on a scholarship to uh, Potsdam State Teachers College, which is what it was in those days. And uh, I, I was up there having a wonderful time. Uh, for a couple of years, and I realized two things, which have been just, uh, I'm so glad that I did. Number one was I was really not as good a ball player as I thought I was, and mm-hmm. there were a lot of other guys up there that, that could play the game better. And secondly, I realized that in order to be successful in teaching, you got to be in the same room as the kids. 
and that just didn't appeal to me. And I just didn't. I thought, no, this is just nothing that I really want to do. And so I, I uh, left there and uh, ended up taking business courses, getting a degree from uh, Central City Business Institute in Syracuse. And uh, liked the big city life, uh, was out for two months, got drafted, spent two years in the Army, uh, and came back and met a friend that I had uh, made in, uh, at Central City. And uh, he was in the tour business, and so he was looking for an escort. So I was not married at the time, and I said, well, this sounds like a great thing. I'll just try it, and uh, that was 50 years ago. So I've been in tourism development ever since. Okay, so and that so tourism development, and you um, live now in Penyan, which is uh, down near the border with Pennsylvania, right? Or no, actually, I, we live in Geneva, which is right in the heart of the Finger Lakes. Oh, we're uh, about uh, forty miles uh, from Rochester and forty miles from Syracuse. Just and but anyway, Rochester. you're. Uh, interest in tourism development kind of focuses on the Finger Lakes. Yeah, it really does. Um, we What we do is advertise and promote culture and heritage programs from around uh, that people would come into uh, the Finger Lakes, particularly central New York and also the Mohawk Valley, but uh, to come in and see our museums, our attractions that relate to predominantly history, Bob, you know, we're we're really just doing a, a tremendous amount of uh, development and business with the, the women's suffrage movement, because this is the hundredth uh, anniversary of the women's right to vote in New York State, uh, and so we're celebrating that. And of course, we live right next door to Seneca Falls, which is where it all started in 1848. So, we, we put together a program that your group, your historical society, your senior citizen center what might like to come in and spend a couple of days and, and do all of these things that are around the area. As uh, a radio host I used to listen to all the time used to say, here's the story behind the story. Why is it that we have Lynn Herzig on this program? Um, well, you came to us. Uh, you sent me a copy of the book and a little note saying that you would listen to our one of our podcasts where um, we talked about setting pins in a bowling alley. And apparently you did that. Did Beaver Falls have a bowling alley? We did. In the middle of town was, was a, uh, a relatively large building called the Community Hall. Uh, and on the first floor was the library and also a, um, uh, the, the uh, basketball uh, location Court. where people yeah. played basketball. And it also, uh, in, the, in the basement, had two lanes uh, for bowling. And so you uh, set pins in a manual way, which uh, we talked about once on the Historians podcast. I've done a column about that, again, based on my hometown of uh, Amsterdam, New York. And right. then I, I asked even further, I mean, well, how'd you know about our podcast? And you're one of the folks that reads John Warren's New York history blog. And uh, John is kind enough to uh, give us a notice every time we put out a new podcast. Yes, John is John is a really good guy, and he has uh, taken a liking. Uh, in 2009, uh, I started an organization called the New York Cultural Heritage Tourism Network, and it's uh, it's an organization of about 400 now that pay small amounts of dues, and uh, it, they're all from upstate New York, most of the people, and we're trying to promote uh, 
heritage <clears throat> into the upstate area, trying to drive some business to some of those facilities that, that, that desperately need it. And John has just uh, been so helpful to us, and uh, he sends out his uh, information on Saturdays, and then I turn it around and send it out to our email list of about 5,000. So mm-hmm. it, it gets pretty good play. He's, he's a good guy, and we really appreciate all of his help. One question then on the negative side. Uh, I noticed that uh, Beaver Falls have a lot of pictures in the book. I would have, I would maybe just state it this way. You were not an ethnically diverse group, it, it seemed. And you do even own up in the, in the book to uh, the issues that your parents' generation anyway had uh, on the grounds of religion. You mostly, most of the people in Beaver Falls were Protestant, I gather, and, uh, you know, Catholics were, you know, existed, but the the two sides didn't really get together until intermarriage started, probably in your generation. That's exactly right, Bob. It was, uh, there was a a beautiful uh, Catholic church in Krogan, and Krogan was predominantly Catholic, and uh, as you said, Beaver Falls was predominantly Protestant. And it was a really tough, uh, a tough go for a lot of people. My parents' generation, uh, you grew up on one side of the, uh, of the fence or the other, and it really wasn't a good thing to ever try to think that you would cross that, uh, especially in, uh, in marriage. Uh, it just, just wasn't a good thing for, for either side. Uh, and uh, we always have thought, we being our, our class um, and that graduated in '59 that at least we had started that, uh, a breakdown of, of those, uh, those walls. I mean, I dated a, uh, a Catholic girl all the way through high school and, uh, and into college. So it was, uh, it was very difficult for my parents to, uh, to support that sort of thing. And, uh, but you're right. We had no, uh, uh, no, um, uh, uh African-Americans, Latinos, nothing of that nature. We were just 110% white. Mm. Now, in um, Beaver Falls today, where do the kids go to school? They go to the Central School, which is right right in Beaver Falls, Beaver River Central. Uh, How about that? Um, Also, maybe before we wrap it up, we are kind of getting close uh, to the end of our uh, conversation. Um, you, where's your book available? How is this uh, available to people? Uh, it's available in a number of bookstores up here, or you could just go online to uh, 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 the herziggroup.com, and uh, and we've got our own uh, uh, the books. I, I've also written a couple of other books, and and they're on uh, on sale there as well. Okay, herziggroup.com uh, is uh, is how you get there. Now, you and you've written other. Have you written other historical books? No. Well, I, yes. One of them was a history of the National Tour Brokers Association, but that's uh, that's for those that to really have insomnia and have nothing else <laughs> to read. Uh, it's great for those of us that are in the tour business, but it really isn't a one for general populace consumption. The other one that I've written is a uh, a very short uh, short book on. Uh, uh, a disease that I developed called uh, eosinophilia myositis, which is at the time I was only the 27th person in the world to ever have the disease. It's a uh, it's a disease that eats uh, your your immune system gets so good that it won't stop, 
uh, and it eats away at the rest of your body. It took all the protein out of mine so that I couldn't walk, talk, uh, couldn't move my arms or legs or anything. Uh, and so it was really quite an experience to go through. I had to learn to walk and talk and swallow and do all those things again. Um, I was down at the Vanderbilt Medical Clinic uh, in Nashville. So I thought it that's uh, to me uh, is one of the more interesting things that's ha- things that have happened to me so it's uh, it, that's kind of a an interesting read it's real short and it's not not long at all. Okay, it certainly sounds like an important book. Well, Lynn Spike Herzig, author of Where'd You Go Out? What'd You Do? Nothing. Unique Memories of Growing Up in Beaver Falls, New York. Thank you for joining us on the Historian's uh, podcast, uh, Spike. Well, Bob, I really appreciate the opportunity to share some old, uh, old remembrances. It's, it's great. 